welcome to episode zero of the local meta. My name is Fletcher. My name is John. And you're probably wondering what the heck this is. So, this is our podcast, The Local Meta. We're starting out a new podcast about Magic the Gathering. Specifically, we're going to be exploring... Well, we're going to kind of talk about anything, aren't we? Literally anything. Hopefully it's magic-related. <laughs> Mostly magic-related. Um, but particularly looking at it from the perspective of a local player. As... As I like to describe it, there's a million different things out there trying to tell you how to, like, get on the Pro Tour and stuff, but this is for the people who, like, not necessarily have accepted or settled, just, you know, want to kind of do their thing without the super high aspirations. I mean, realistically, most people are going to be playing at local tournaments or maybe hit up the odd GP that comes through town or whatever, but you're playing F&M with people a lot of times, and you're playing local, the local scene. And, you know, you should still listen to the really great podcast from the pros to learn how to get better at magic, because we'll do a little of that, but, you know, we're not professional magic players. So I guess we'll uh, introduce who the heck we are. Um... As said, I'm Fletcher. Um, I started playing Magic way back in the day during Mirage 5th Edition, so I've been in and out since then. I didn't really start getting into playing... I played a lot of casual back then, and didn't play really much at F&Ms and stuff until we got back into it in M13, I believe is when it was. We started Uh, playing together, and I started playing... We you started playing started at stores playing. in... Well, I started playing at M13. <laughs> you got all of us in. Yeah, and then I got all you guys in. And we started playing at the stores kind of around Theros. Um, that was the first time I really hit standard seriously. But I'm a big fan of Legacy and try to hit up the store's Legacy events with all that. So, John, who the heck are you? As you said, my name's John. I started playing right after 8th edition came out about... Um, I would walk about five blocks while I was waiting to pick up papers for my paper route to a place called Globe News, and I would, I randomly decided that card games look cool, so I started buying everything I could. I found two specific ones. They were called Goblin Mob and Speed Scorch, both from Mono Red, and I jammed them together, made them 60 cards, and I fell in love with goblins as a result of those two texts. To this day. Yes. Goblins are great. I started playing FNM about a month before Theros came out. I played a big red deck with four main deck Burning Earth, which I just like when people don't play Magic, apparently. And, yeah, I have a few more accolades than Fletcher to a degree. I believe it was 36th or 38th place at the first ever SCG Regionals in 2015, the only larger tournament I've ever really gone to, and I am the current only... Back-to-back Dungeons and Invitational champion. For those who don't know, that's our local store has an Invitational three times a year. Yes. And you have to qualify for it and everything at events, and it can get. I mean, for a local store, it can get competitive for that. Um, so that's a that's an impressive feat for somebody who doesn't go play GPS. <laughs> the tournament does uh, actually contain pro tour competitors and such, and I mean. Greg Orange, some people know of him. He actually is one of the ex-champions, so I think that says something. That's yeah. All right, so that's that's who we are. Um, 
with this episode, we, we called it episode zero. That's for, for a reason. We're not really going to be hitting on a ton of magic topics directly this episode. We kind of want to just set the groundwork for what we're going to be doing in the, in the future episodes. Introduce ourselves as we just did, and sort of, sort of give our philosophy on being a local player to some degree. I don't know, John, do you want to inter- introduce the topic, kind of what we're going to be saying here? Uh, as in what, what the golden rule and how it applies to magic? <laughs> yes, the topic we refer to as the golden rule. All right, so the golden rule is, roll for anyone who knows it, you know, their proper wording on it is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but that's much more efficiently put as don't be a dick. We commonly refer to this as the golden rule or rule number one. So, magic being a competitive game, it feels like sometimes it feels like people forget this very basic rule because you want to win. You're constantly competing against people. You're trying to get every edge you can, and sometimes you do things that feel like a jerk. You know, not not giving somebody take backs when they make a really bad play depending on on the event the whole concept of it is like people need to understand you need to you need to play differently as it were based on what you're actually doing you shouldn't be rules lowering the 6 year old that you're playing against in FNM yeah and you shouldn't be ball busting the person whose first pre-release it is you know in round 1 cuz you're probably going to beat him anyways but <laughs> ideally yeah, ideally you should be. It's just something a lot of people don't seem to realize is like, depending on the level of tournament you're playing in, depends on how serious it actually is. Like F and M and like pre-releases are the ultimate casual thing. They're supposed to be for the person who's literally never played anything other than kitchen table magic, or even just never played magic in general outside of the introduction they've had to it. And F and M's are only a step above that. Like you're supposed to be playing at casual rules enforcements level which means take backs are a thing like game like obviously if you get paired against someone who's more competitive you can be like you know you can hold them to it but you're supposed to be a little more lenient in a lot of tournaments locally because the purpose of those events is not to show who's the best necessarily it's not the competitive level events like that it's designed to build a community around magic and this whole idea there's a lot of good value for the individual player in being a good sport in following the golden rule of not being a dick and helping to build this community and help other people play magic. And I think people for, forget when they sit down at the table with their shiny standard deck that just won the Pro Tour and they want to be the best. And other things can get trampled because of that. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, if you sit down across from somebody, you have to let them win or even give anything to them. I, I, I believe the only thing you owe somebody is a fair game. Absolutely. The whole concept, like, it's like, yeah, like if you're playing, you know, like say you're the only undefeated and you're playing against someone else who's the only undefeated, you both probably know what you're doing. And obviously you can play it a slightly, like, you can hold each other to stuff better, as it were. But like I said, like I've been paired up against, you know, a young kid before, and it's like I'm not going to be, you know, all cut 
throat and stuff like I'm still going to counter his stuff. I'm still going to kill his stuff. I'm still going to try and beat him because you don't learn anything when people just give you wins. But I'm not going to, you know, like if he like an ex a really good example I have is actually I was playing against a younger kid in FNM and he attacked me with a single creature and then cast a burn spell on me before damage because that was exactly lethal, and I'm like, well, kill your guy in response, and he just looks down, and then he taps his other creature and has that attack me also. Like, I'm not going to hold that against this little kid, because it doesn't do him any good if I'm just being a jerk and saying, no, you can't do that, yada, yada, yada. And it doesn't do me any good, because then all of a sudden, hooray, like, I'm not going to feel good about myself if I rules lawyer some 10-year-old kid, because... He thought, you know, he was super excited about what he was doing. Like, there's no value from it. I gained nothing except maybe a bonus pack later on. And honestly, that bonus pack is actually going to be less valuable <laughs> to a decent degree. I mean, there's places where you bust somebody's balls for that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like, and you, part of it is knowing your audience and knowing who you're playing against. Like, you know, when, you know, the last pre release, me and you ended up in the you know, finals event of that, basically. And, I mean, even with me being deathly ill at the time, <laughs> um, you wouldn't have, you know, you're not going to give me take-backsies, really, for yeah. mistakes I make. And like, I'm not going to ask, I mean, I'm not going to ask for them either, because we know each other. But. Yeah, that's, that, like, that's why I said, like, you know, like, if you, once you get on the local level, like, you know the people you're playing against, you know who you should actually hold to a higher degree and who will hold you to a higher degree of play skill. There are people that when I sit down from, like, I know I will be playing better than I have previously because they deserve it and, like, demand it to a degree. And I'm going to hold them to the same thing. Yeah, when I sit down, I'm a, when I go play Legacy, I mean, there's certain people there that are always there. And they're the people that know how that format works. And if I screw something up or do something at the wrong time, and Legacy can be quite unforgiving. I mean... Let's go with that for a phrase. Yeah, right? Um, I mean, I'll let them hold hold me to it. I'll hold them to it, and and we're fine with it. You know, we get that. But if random person who has their modern deck with a couple other cards in it and just showed up because they thought it was Modern Night or whatever. They're playing Grixis Control with Brainstorms instead of Cerevisions. Yeah, because they had a couple Brainstorms laying around, and they thought it was Modern Night or something like that. Mm. I mean, I might I might give them a little bit of a break, or I put, or the, the one day I played a Modern, back when Splinter Twin was legal, the first round I got paired up with a guy who had his standard red deck. And I think, I think 2-0 I basically just... Fourth turn, Splinter Twin, you die. You did what the deck does. I did what the deck ex deck does, exactly. And we played some more games after that, just for funsies and stuff. And I didn't play Splinter Twin then sometimes. I would hold it back and everything mm -hmm. there. But, you know, when he was doing stuff, I wasn't necessarily busting his ball super. I mean, he didn't have a ton of time to do anything either, really, because it was turn four and you, you die. Okay, you tacked with a Goblin twice, I guess, but... Congratulations, you toot me. Take 30. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not throwing them under the bus because, I mean, he had never seen the Splinter Twin combo before. I had to, I, I, you know, it was it was kind of good because you have to go through, the, I had to go through the motions and say this is what I'm doing. And then do the, do this arbitrary large number of times and he's like, oh, wow, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and everyone's so. first response to an infinite combo. Oh, 
So that's how magic works. But then two, you know, one round later, I'm playing against somebody who I've played against before. I've, you know, they they know how Splinter Twin works. I have a general idea of how their deck works because I was still pretty new to modern at the time. I think when I was playing that one, mm-hmm. and you know, they they held me to it a couple times, and I held them to it a couple times. So it's part of it is just understanding that that audience and everything. And I, I guess the the whole point of that giant ramble about don't be a dick is that this is actually really good value for you as a player to be good to other people like this. I I basically said one time that, you know, not being a jerk is good EV somewhere and got just blasted by a bunch of people for saying that because they're like, well, EV is math. It's not karma. And they're, they're right. It isn't karma. But the thing is, is that you can expect more value by being good to people because they're because of how people work psychologically. Yeah. And being that person that people can come to and talk to and helping other people, the more people you get into magic, it's just more people that you can beat and get packs from basically. It's more people that you have to trade with. It's more people that you have to borrow put from. money put yeah, to borrow cards from, to borrow decks from, to put money into the store so that you have more events. I mean, there's there's so many so many bene- tangible real monetary benefits that you get from being a person who is trustworthy and fair i mean and we're not talking about you don't have to be freaking mother teresa here you don't have to be giving things out to people all the time you don't have to let people have wins you just got to go show up play fair games be decent to people when they interact with you and be a part of the community I mean, like, and obviously, like, this doesn't apply to stuff like, oh, if you're playing at, like, uh, PPTQ at your local store, like, you're not gonna, you know, be like, oh, you're new to this, I'm gonna be nice to you. Like, you just, like, tailor yourself to what you're playing in. I mean, you understand the venue and stuff there. I mean, but still, I mean, rule number one applies at a PPTQ. Don't be a dick to yeah, anyone. Yeah, but I'm, I'm I mean, not... that's just that's just bad value. But I mean, you know, if like you can, if, if, yeah, you if don't little, allow takesies, backsies, in those exactly. Situations. Yeah, I'm not gonna let, like at a PPTQ. It's like, sorry, kid. Like this is this is a little bigger leagues than F and M, so you're gonna have to play a little tighter. Yeah, like it's even that's something that I actively do. Like if I play against someone on Saturday versus playing against them on Friday, I'm going to hold them to more stuff because even though they're not necessarily like competitive REL on Saturday, they're still a more competitive thing like we're doing. And that's what the event is designed for. FNM is for for the FNM it's 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 casual. It's for people to show up and play and the Saturday events are for a little more competitive and stuff so that you can hold people to things like that and play you know m- play the, the more competitive magic that you don't get at FNM. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, just understand what the hell you're doing. Like, understand where you're doing it, rather. I mean, and even with the with the takesies, backsies, and all, all that stuff, and people not knowing what's going on, it's so easy to assume that people are trying to get an advantage from it, and trying to screw you in some way. And a lot of times it's just ignorance. I mean, you know, Hanlon's Razor is the... Um, uh, saying for this never attribute to malice that which can ad- adequately be attributed to stupidity Ain't that the truth. <laughs> right and <laughs> so but basically that's just a fun way of saying that you know people aren't trying to be jerks they're just don't know what the hell's going on and those fnm events and those 
pre-release type events and the, the events where people show up and even to some degree the competitive events af afterwards are good times for teaching people when they want to be taught. I mean, sometimes you just smoke somebody and they're mad and they don't want to talk about it and that's totally cool and recognizing that is a big piece of it and just just walking away because <laughs> you know we all get on tilt a little bit every once in a while like yeah there, there's i've i've had that too where it's like you get paired up against someone in an fnm and it's like it's like their first fnm and they just don't quite understand the difference between playing with their friends at a kitchen table and playing against people who have a full 75 card constructed deck like things just are there's a scale on the power level of what you're encountering and some people just don't think along those lines which well, there's a there's a cultural thing to it too it's it's a completely different environment i mean it, it's tough to think back that far but i mean like we were casual players at one time that had to make that jump and i remember um going to my first pre-release um the first pre-release i went to was dragon's maze actually um, at a different store than we play at now. But that was the most unnerving thing ever for me because I had never really played with people I didn't know. Um, I just I played with my friends when I first started. I played at college with people that I, I got to know or I knew people in the group at first and they introduced me to these people. But this was... I knew some of the other people that were at the event, but I really didn't see them even. And it's a really hard hurdle to get over. And, you know, this might be somebody's first event ever and well it's okay to smoke them you know and play your play fair and beat them you don't have to hold it over their head about how awesome you are and how terrible they are yeah exactly i mean people are gonna screw up i mean i still screw up i mean at the um, uh even at the pre-release we just did i you know i did the classic of oh i thought this card was an instant oops yeah i mean it's like i put that back in my hand i guess you get some free information but you know it's People people can screw up. It's easy. It's easy for it to happen, and mm. we're all we were all a new player once, and we all had to make the jump once. And helping people make that jump is just going to help get more people into the community, and make it so that we can play more magic. Yeah, and a lot of people don't seem to realize that 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 is a connection. That still is a thing. There's a huge connection. I mean, the in our in our store at least from what I can see. And I think many other stories is that the competitive crowd cannot exist without the casual crowd, and to a degree, vice versa. To a degree, vice versa. Yeah, and I think they both need each other because the casual crowd needs the competitive people to get to help them get better, and get to bigger events and to move forward. But the competitive crowd needs those casual people because those casual people spend a bunch of money still. Those are the people that fill out the tournaments that you're there to crush and, you know, take home your six packs of epic value. I mean, if you're playing a four-round tournament, it's usually two free rounds, right? <laughs> to a degree. Depends on your luck. But, I mean, they're the people that fill out the tournaments. Those, those are the people that are going to be showing up to new events. I mean, playing Legacy as one of the formats that I play more, there's not a lot of people that show up. Usually when, when we get people to show up it's about four of us mm -hmm. and that's not a lot of people you get to play a, three rounds around robin and you know we just want to play legacy so it's all it's all right but whenever a new person shows up it's always awesome and we want to make them 
feel welcome there, and we want them to understand how cool Legacy is because it's sweet and. It's just so unbelievably hard to actually build the Legacy community, also, like yeah. just because of what Legacy encompasses. So there's such a high bar for um, uh, getting into it, and that that is what makes it so hard. But that's, but then when you get that person that shows up, that just makes it even more valuable integrating them into the community. Then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I recently just swapped decks basically in Legacy and was able to loan one to, you know, a friend of ours and get him to come play. So, just even getting people in the door like that, and he had an awesome time when he came and played, even though, what, I don't remember what, what his record was. He like, like 03, I think. Did he 03? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I, think I, I think I was like, I did not very well. I'm pretty sure I was like 1 and 2 or something with a buy, so... <laughs> people actually but, losing games. I know, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry you're good, but... <laughs> Also playing, you know, the deck archetype that I love more than any other outside of Goblins. Yeah. But, you know, and that was a big legacy event for us, wasn't it? I think we had, like, six people. It was massive. Like, there, no, there was a full seven, because we had a buy. Oh, yeah, there was a buy, so we did have an odd number. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, like, and, you know, getting those people in and being able to play with that many people was really cool. Um, I got, you know, I actually got to play against some decks that I hadn't, played against for a long time or know, ever or ever um i'm pretty sure i got to play i mean nobody runs death and taxes normally when i've been playing but i think the first legacy tournament i played i got to play against death and taxes i don't think anyone's ever played storm though no no one's ever played yeah. storm man <laughs> and you, you're the only you're the only one <laughs> you've also never played uh you've never played burn not a mirror which is kind of new it's a lot. Yeah. It's a very different way of thinking. Playing but understanding against the burn. deck is a big piece. So yeah. I mean, I get. I, I've played burn enough to where I kind of know what the important pieces are to some degree. Mm. It's. I mean, and I'm sure we'll get into this in, in a later show topic. But you know, formats like legacy. It's the the important things are understanding your deck and understanding what your opponent's deck is trying to do. Knowledge so is, have, knowledge is more important than power. Yes. Which we'll be getting into that, and I'm sure a very, very recent <laughs> following episode here. So, but so, so, but you know, getting those people in and building that community, it, it just, I mean, real, it puts more packs in my pocket. Like, exactly. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive to, like, you're increasing the field and doing all this stuff, but. It just opens up so many doors having people there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had I've had people just give me things because they, you know, like me as a player or as a person more so. And, you know, that's big. I mean, but think about how many um, uh, cards and decks you've been able to borrow just because of the people you've met there and come to know. Yeah, like, I have people who are like, oh, yeah, you can have first dibs on this card if you need it from me. It's like... I don't always have a deck. Like there, this is actually a really good example. Actually, as I was talking to a guy earlier today after the tournament, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not a big fan of standards. I don't like having to buy a new deck every few months, you know, because the deck gets expensive." And I looked at him and I'm like, "I have, I don't think I've had to buy more than like twenty percent of any deck in standard in forever because." I have people who, you know, I've built a good rapport with where they're willing to trade me what I need or 
they'll borrow me what I need, and I can just play it. If you if you're not a jerk to people, and you actually build up that community of people around you who like they trust you and they know they can rely on you, and you borrow them stuff and they borrow you stuff, you can just play anything you want at a reasonable cost. Like I don't have to, you know, go. It's like, well, I guess I need to go buy, you know three Ember cools when they're $30 a piece because I want to play this deck. It's like, no, I just borrowed them from people. I still don't own a playset of Gideon's, and I played him as a playset. I don't own a playset of Avacyn's. I played her as a playset. Well, I mean, think about most of the decks that I've played just in general. Like, I mean, when I played um, Theros Standard, the Theros Con Standard, I played Heroic, and the entire mana base was yours. Well, yeah, that's mana bases are their own but, but, I mean, <laughs> but but also think of that we you know i i have some dual lands you have staples in every other format yeah and we were able to build i think two we decks can, or we whatever build, with we can cards. have two built consecutively but we can build a lot yeah. more but you know i i was able to build a different legacy deck so that somebody else could come play because i didn't have some of those staples that you need and realistically we could put together another one with that yeah. Because of because we're able to to share those things and we're trustworthy and honest about it and everything mm-hmm. and just having those people and having those connections are big. Oh, I mean, think about um uh, my sick brew of that unexpected results brew. I mean, half half that deck is yours. Actually, no less than that now because I did buy some of the cards. Yeah, but, if we're con- <laughs> if we're talking about actual value, half of it might still be mine. But I mean, that's getting. But that's getting more people to the events. Yeah, that's getting more people that you get to play. You know, play with and against. Yeah, me, and me borrowing you play sets of twenty dollars mythics got you in that door and made my event more enjoyable by proxy. There we go. I mean, and that's that's what it does. It gets more people in the in the door, and the more people they have at events, usually most stores, at least ours. You get more packs. Mm-hmm. They give more stuff out, the more people show up. Yeah, like, it's just, more people is better. Not being a dick gets more people. If you just annihilate someone their first thing, and you're just a huge asshole about it, you can believe that if you want. Like, it's, go like, and they not, they're not going to want to come back because of that one, like, the human psyche remembers the negative more than the positive. So yes. if they encounter one guy who just made their day miserable, it doesn't matter if, you know, they had fun games, you know, in round four or whatever. They're going to remember that guy who just crushed them and told them that their deck was terrible and they should, you know, look up a better deck and play that next time. They're just not going to come back because they don't want to deal with that. Well, as a point of example, um, it was a number of pre-releases ago, but I'm a, that friend of ours that I was, that I was talking about, um, he played at that pre-release, and I don't remember if he went 2-2 two, two or 3-1, mm-hmm. but um, uh, the the thing he remembers about that is not how well he, you know, he did or, or really even anyone else did. It's that the guy he played round 2 basically built a poor deck mm-hmm. and then was a dick to him about building a poor deck. Like, the guy lost to him because he didn't know how to build a sealed deck, and was kind of a jerk about it and everything and he was a jerk to Andy about about the guy yeah. himself building a bad deck Sorry about that. Ba- basically the guy land screwed himself because he didn't build the deck right mm-hmm. and then was super salty about it and that's the thing Andy remembers yeah like that's literally how the brain works yeah so the negative the negative things are far stronger but i mean you can still beat somebody 
and not have it be horrible. Yeah. I use the example all the time of there, I was playing a blue-black control list, and I got paired against some younger kid who was playing just green-red dragons. And these weren't even, like, the good dragons. They were just <laughs> dragons this kid loved, right? And I just 2 owed him. And when the match was over, the kid was smiling and having a good time because I wasn't a dick about it. But how weren't you a dick about it? What did you do to make it good for him? I just, like, I, act, like, I just, I, my mannerisms and my body language and, like, how I just spoke to him. I wasn't talking down to him about anything, about what he was doing. Like, you know, if he played some big dragon, I'd make a comment about, like, oh, you know, that's, uh, that's gonna be an annoying one to deal with. And then I play Dragonlord Solomgar and steal it from him, and then he's laughing because, you know, I'm killing him with his own stuff. It's like, you can do things that to a lot of people are perceived as being really jerk moves, but it matters how you do them. I mean, blue-black control is basically the definition of fun, right? Yeah, that's absolutely fun for one person at that table. <laughs> Sometimes zero. <laughs> but yeah, there's, and, and that's what we're talking about here, is that you can still smoke a kid 2-0 who's playing, you know, dirtledragons.deck, mm. but if you make it an enjoyable experience for him, he's going to show up again. He's going to give the store money. He's going to basically give you a free win too if nothing yeah. else but i mean like he's gonna he's gonna help build that community which in turn helps helps you become better at magic and gives you more rewards in the long run and i'm not saying by any metric that i wasn't playing like you know semi worse because i wasn't necessarily thinking through all my different lines and all that stuff like i could have been playing at a better level but when i play at that level i get closed off from people i don't get jokey i don't do stuff like that and it is off-putting for my opponents who have to you know sit across from someone who's just doing nothing but ruining their day and not even like talking about it yeah, it's one of those one of those things. I mean, like when we when we rip out the proxy vintage and stuff, you've said st stacks is just the worst thing ever. Yes. <laughs> or shops, yeah, shops. It's just horrible to play against. It's no fun. But the thing is is that you can play it against somebody and make it an entertaining experience even if it's not a fun game of magic. Yeah, I'm semi entertaining. It's really hard to like play a match and have it be entertaining. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was really funny slamming like every lock piece that just locked you out right when I needed to. So yeah, that's yeah. If you're a jerk, I won't let you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's about it for now. Um, I think we covered all. You have the anything bases. you anything you want to slip in before we're? Can we talk about my little footnote? Oh, very okay. in there. Like this, this might go. This might be longer than you want it to be, but I really want to go over this, and I think all it's right, a good so, closer. Okay. So this whole this whole thing came about because the term I use is I don't like being slut shamed <laughs> when I'm playing magic. And I get weird looks when I use that term. But basically, there's a way you can say things to people that is okay and that is not okay. Um I just remember I was playing testing some or playing a deck I a standard deck I hadn't played before against you, I think, just to jam some games. And I just made a really bad play. And afterwards, somebody who was watching the game was like, well, why didn't you do this? Because that's the better play. And, you know, and basically just kind of called me out super hard on it. And they could have easily done it in a different way that would have been more productive. But I have, I, I just call the term slut shaming because it, it's always just kind of what horrible. it is. Like they're trying to make you feel like a bad person. 
Yes. Like, obviously that kind of ties into the whole don't be a dick thing, but the reason why I want to bring this up is because it actually makes me think of a really interesting thought. Which is worse? When someone says, hey, why did you do this? It was bad and you should feel bad. Or when after it's done, you're sitting and you're talking to your opponent about something that, you know, you weren't sure about the line. And then when someone says, why does it matter? You won anyways. Oh, man, you're bringing this one up. (laughs) Okay. This is an entire topic sometime. But I... That's just such a bad mentality. I'm just curious, which is worse? Which is In your own personal opinion, which is more damaging to the community? Which is more damaging to the community? Slut shaming or basically being complacent about play skill? I hate to say being complacent about play skill is better, but I think I'm going to have to go that way. Because one creates a far stronger emotional response, Mm -hmm. and the other one creates a negative... an attitude that is not productive to getting better at magic, if that makes sense. So you would rather have someone who is complacent than have someone who just shames you and tells you calls you you're bad? I think so. Okay. I think I think as the player I am, I would prefer that. Just because as I said, one's a very emotional response and emotions are what get people to come back and keep playing magic. One is quite literally is like, okay, so you can like which is worse, having a guy be a dick or having a guy be a potato. Yeah. It's like <laughs> It was just an interesting thought that popped in my head when you first brought up the concept to me, and I thought it would be an interesting little end. Yeah, yeah so there's that's my opinion on that one. I just... I, I don't mind people asking me questions and correcting me. It just has to be done in the right way. And in the, in the legacy stuff, I've had people ask me why I did things that were not optimal, mm-hmm. and... You know, I get to explain myself. Like, oh, okay, yeah. So you probably, you know, this is probably may have been a better line of play. And it's like, oh yeah, and, and we talk it out, and it's good because of how they handled it. It's not like, why the hell would you even do that? That's such a bad play. Like, it's just, it's just such a terrible attitude to have. It just, it does nothing productive. It it really comes down to something like that. Is I'm pretty sure anyone who does the, oh, why would you ever do that? You're so bad at this. Is they're literally only doing it because they want you to feel bad, and, and that's that just is, not good. Yeah. And they're breaking rule number one. Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. <laughs> so I think I'm, uh, I think that's where we'll wrap this one up. Uh, as I said, this was just kind of to get our philosophy on being a part of the community in Magic. And um, next episode should be some advice and content. So thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.